0: This is not a test. This is not a test. Please remain calm.
1: Unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Seeking human victims. We're back with yet another Seeking Human Victims podcast. My name is the Reverend, and I am the original motherfucker and the high priest of the Coven of the Goat, and we're here to bring you yet another episode in the Vampires of Hammer season, season 18 of the show. And tonight we're going to 1963, backing it up a little bit. We were in the 70s last week. We normally do these in chronological order. Decided to take a detour from that in this season. And we actually recorded the Christopher Lee Dracula movies all in one row. And then now we're going to move on and start delving into the other Hammer Vampire movies. And we are going to be looking at 1963's Kiss of the Vampire. Not to be confused with the Nicolas Cage movie from the late 2000s. An entirely different Kiss of the Vampire. And joining me, my tonight and tonight only vampire coven, Dreamboat Annie.
2: I will not say that she's not changed in any way. Mr. Harcourt, she has, as you may put it, grown up. Tasted the more sophisticated, more erotic fruits of life.
1: And rounded it out, the one, the only,
0: the great, Mooji! God is hardly involved, Mr. Harcourt.
1: (laughs) As is usually the case on this show. Uh, I've never seen this movie at all. I didn't know it existed, so this was a a fresh watch for me. I had no idea what I was getting into here.
2: Hard, same.
0: You know, I can't say for sure that I've seen it. A lot of these movies kind of blend in, but I definitely like didn't remember parts of it. So there's a very good chance this is the first watch for me as well.
1: All right. Well, we'll dig further into this. Little jaunty tale. Um, it, it, I'll actually go ahead and reveal before we even dig in. It, it was supposed to originally be a sequel to the first Dracula movie, but they changed plans after Christopher Lee wasn't involved. So... Um, It it kind of does stem from those movies, but it ended up being its own unrelated affair when it was all said and done. And we'll tell you more about that here in just a moment. But before we do that, what do we got to do? We got to rock the fuck out. Because we got to welcome back our musical guest of the week. Brought to you by Horror, Pain, Gore, Death Productions. That's HorrorPainGoreDeath.com. And this week we welcome Empires of Euphrates to the show and to the roster of Horror, Pain, Gore, Death Productions. With the debut EP Echoes of Ancient Past. Hailing from Maryland, Empires of Euphrates is the brainchild of Vincent Matthews of Dying Fetus, Criminal Element, and Sadistic Torment. Kevin Talley from Decrepit Birth, Misery Index, Suffocation, Six Feet Under. And Jim Ross from Bandwhore, not to be confused with our favorite cowboy hat-wearing wrestling announcer. Uh, Echoes of Ancient Past is old school. 90s melodic atmospheric death metal showcasing five original tracks plus a cover of the crocus classic screaming in the night empires of euphrates recruited joe sincata from obituary suffocation castrator and mortal decay of full force studios for recorded mixing and mastering duties for fans of amorphous edge of sanity hypocrisy Panthimonium and septic flesh. Here is empires of Euphrates with never meant to be. Kicking off this week's episode of seeking human victims. 1963's Kiss of the Vampire, of course, made by Hammer Film Productions, directed by a cat named Don Sharp, and written by the producer Anthony Hines, who was credited under his writing pseudonym John Elder. It follows the story of a young couple on their honeymoon who becomes stranded in a remote village in Bavaria. And they're soon taken in by a mysterious family who live in a nearby castle. But they soon learn that the family is actually a coven of vampires. And they are in danger of being turned into vampires themselves. This movie definitely looked like the 60s Hammer films. So there's a nice contrast going back from the very dull-looking satanic rites of Dracula uh, from 1973. But a decade prior, you you see these glorious colors and beautiful sets, and this is just a very eye-catching movie, kind of right off the bat.
0: Yeah, it was definitely like well shot. And it yeah, it looked like it totally makes sense that it was supposed to be a sequel because it definitely looks like it would have fit in the early Christopher Lee Dracula for sure. Let's
1: talk about the director, Don Sharp. He was born in Tasmania, Australia in 1928, an English film director and screenwriter who was, uh, worked mainly in British television. So he, he lived in England most of his life, directed over 40 films and television episodes throughout his career, but best known for his works with the famous British horror film studio, Uh, kiss of the vampire was actually his debut film for hammer but he did go on to direct several other films including dracula has risen from the grave in 1968 frankenstein and the monster from hell from 1974 and the four feathers from 1978. his films were often praised for their stylish visuals and suspenseful atmosphere he was also known for his ability to get great performances from his actors And though he primarily worked in horror, he did direct other films, uh, such as westerns, thrillers, and comedies. He left Hammer in the late 1970s, continuing to work in television until his retirement in the early 1990s, and he passed away in 2009 at the age of 80 in London. The music for Kiss of the Vampire was composed by who the fuck else? Famed, prolific British composer staple of over 30 hammer film productions we're talking about james bernard he's been the composer in pretty much every movie that we've done except for the satanic Rites of dracula i think (laughs) so not a surprise that he would return here and creates another bombastic and really uh fitting score
2: he knows his job and he does it well
1: indeed Special effects we looked for a little more specifics but uh, there's not a ton about that. We, we uh, have a credit listing of Les Bowie which was known as a blanket term encompassing multiple individuals in those days. Um, based on available resources it looks like the makeup artist that was credited was Roy Ashton and most of the effects kind of came from the makeup, I'd assume, like, you know, the vampire's complexions and the fangs and the blood and the, the other prosthetics. So and he's going to get the credit um, again, that blood and some of the effects and things that they did. Probably not very impressive today, but even still in 1963, it was it was something to behold.
0: Yeah, it was all fine. I mean, when, you know, there wasn't like a hole in the blood in the movie, but when, you know, there was like, it wasn't like extremely fake or anything. Let's talk about the cast.
1: Stars Clifford Evans as professors, Professor Zimmer. He's a Welsh character actor known for his commanding presence in Gravitas. He appeared in over a hundred films, including Lawrence of Arabia, The Dirty Dozen, and Rollerball. He played the skeptical yet determined Professor Zimmer. And he added a layer of intellectual intrigue to the vampire hunt. And then we had... Oh, go ahead.
2: So just the first on a long list of uh, people that are supposed to be very German that are very much not.
1: (laughs) The very British Germans. It's a a plague amongst the monster movies, even going back to Universal.
2: They're like, hello, Herr Zimmer. (laughs)
1: And then we had Edward de Souza as Gerald Harcourt. He was a Portuguese born actor who often portrayed suave and sophisticated characters. He was popular in British cinema during the 1950s and 60s and starred in films like Doctor in the House in 1954 and Carry On Cleo in 1964. And here he portrays the charming yet suspicious Gerald Harcourt. Whose true motives are gradually revealed as the film progresses. <laughs> this guy ruled. He was my favorite character in the movie.
2: Yeah, he uh, he really uh, has has. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he meant to or not, but he has a he has a he has a real good time <laughs> uh, with some of the scenes. It feels like uh, Bring a lot of life to him. You know.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like right out of the gate, you're like, okay, this guy's uh, this guy's got a commanding presence. And then we had Noel Willman as Dr. Ravna. He was a, a versatile British actor who excelled in dramatic and comedic roles, had a prolific career on stage and screen, appearing in productions like Hamlet and films like Bridge on the River Kwai from 1957. He also, uh, in this film, of course, plays Dr. Ravna, the head of the Vampire Clan, who poses a formidable threat to the protagonists. Yeah, he he ruled as well.
0: Yeah, he was definitely, um, you know, he was like 80% Christopher Lee. <laughs> you know, so there you go.
1: Yeah, he, he was, you know, he was definitely taking some uh, <laughs> taking some bits from Lee, but he, it was enough to make it his own. And then uh, we had Jennifer Daniels, Marianne Harcourt, a rising star of, of British cinema in the early 60s, known for her natural beauty and fresh face charm. Uh, appeared in films like A Taste of Honey in 1961 and Summer Holiday in 1963, before her untimely death in a car accident. She plays the innocent and vulnerable Marianne Harcourt, whose honeymoon takes a terrifying turn.
2: And she is wooed by the song of a young vampire.
1: Playing the piano. A young vampire pianist.
2: That's pianist. Pianist.
1: That scene is so fucking funny. Like, that's the, the best scene of the movie to me. Maybe that and the scene where, like, thousands of bats descend upon them to kill them
2: all. <laughs> yeah, her being so, just, like, entranced. And just, like, it's so unintentionally funny. And then, um, what's his name? Uh, Gerald coming over there and being like, Bitch, I'm right fucking here. What the hell? Hello? <laughs>
0: Yeah, man, like, I don't want to say that, like, he got what was coming to him, losing his wife to a cult, but uh, he should have never agreed to go back to that party after, at minimum, he was like, you know what, man, I think my wife, like, really wants to fuck this young guy playing the piano. You can't go back for the party.
2: Yeah, I don't know why alarm bells weren't going off for him after that. Like, clearly something was up. (laughs)
0: Let's go back. That sounds like a
1: great idea.
2: Also, just as a little aside, while we're talking about going back to the house, when they first get there for the first dinner, he's like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to act. I'm being so rude and inappropriate because I never have people over. We never have company. And then as they're leaving, he's like, oh, yeah, you should you should come back tomorrow. I'm having a giant party. Everyone will be here. And it's like, that's strange, considering you said you never have fucking company.
1: Little suspicious just a hair. And then rounding out the cast, we had Barry Warren as Carl Ravna, a British actor who often played supporting roles in films and TV, and a very regular actor for Hammer. He was in Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, and he will be in Twins of Evil, which we will be covering later on the season. Uh, And of course, here he portrays Dr. Ravna's son, I believe the the pianist that we just mentioned, who assists in the, the family's the family's vampiric activities.
0: Yes, as they call him, penis coral.
1: <laughs> Shooting dates and locations. The captivating scenery in Kiss of the Vampire was shot uh, in Bavaria, in the picturesque area around the town of Fussen. If I pronounced that right, maybe not. Uh, the region provided the film with its stunning backdrop of lush forests, majestic mountains, and charming villages, which perfectly complemented perfectly complemented the gothic atmosphere and suspenseful story. It utilized several real world locations to bring the lore to life. The Falkenstein Castle, a uh, cat God, good God, the Falkenstein Castle, which was an imposing twelfth century castle perched atop a cliff. And that was the exterior of the vampire abode. Oh god damn it. <laughs> Annie, you wanna you wanna give this one a fucking go, Miss German?
2: Sure, but also I don't think that's correct because it call it, sa- it says it it's Huenschwangau, but Huen castle, but it says that it's a nearby fairy tale like castle offered additional exterior shots for vampires Residence*, but there's an additional note that says that it's known for inspiring Walt Disney's Neuschwanstein Castle. Neuschwanstein Castle is a real castle that inspired Cinderella's Castle. It's the other way around. It's like the most famous castle in Germany. But um, yeah, there's it, it, you can picture it in your head. Picture Cinderella's Castle and then the real life one you've seen on the internet a bunch of times and then one that looks kind of like that that's that's the that's the castle we're talking about
1: and then we had uh Fusen Town and Ibsy
2: is that right yeah Ibsy yeah just the Ipsy, serene Ipsy. lake
1: surrounded by mountains for some of the outdoor shots so uh, very very broad and beautiful scenery in this one and the filming took place between September 7th 1962 and October 6th 1962 on a six-week production schedule.
0: So you're saying they went to Germany, imported a bunch of British people to act like Germans. That's pretty odd.
1: And with that, on an interesting fact, let's open the door to the auditorium. Strange truths and morbid curiosities will be revealed inside the auditorium. So in the other most hilarious scene in the movie, when the aforementioned thousands of well, maybe dozens of of rubber bats descend on the vampire party, uh, they were actually purchased from a local branch of Woolworths. So only the finest in Hollywood effects.
0: Woolworths. We have the bats.
1: The car used in the movie was an original 1903 De Dion Bouton Model Q loaned to Hammer by the National Motor Museum. Director Don Sharp himself was actually not really a big horror fan, but he decided to make Kiss of the Vampire, um, and he... Had a good time, apparently, because he went on to make a bunch more horror movies for Hammer. But his goal was to make it slightly different than the usual Hammer movies. I think he succeeded a little bit. I mean, it got him a bunch more gigs. So, um, at least it might have been different, but it was enough like the other ones to keep him employed. Universal aired a pretty heavily edited version of this for television that basically deletes nearly the entire climax of the film. For his role, Noel Willman wore a hairpiece that included a widow's peak so this was actually a climax of the film uh was was something that they revisited if the original sequel which we didn't cover in this season though it's possible we might because we have that one episode that got lost that we've got to replace at the end of the season but the original sequel to the first hammer dracula movie was the brides of dracula from 1960 did not star christopher lee but it was a a direct sequel to the movie that was basically like the brides that he left behind people find them and they're fucking you know they're vampires too so they got a whole new vampire problem to deal with It's, it's a good movie you should watch it but the climax for this film was actually the original planned climax for brides of dracula And they ended up going a different direction. They had this one kind of sitting in the can. And they pulled it out and used it again. An army of rubber bats. Universal actually delayed the release of this film by a few months. So that a comparison could not be made with the concurrently released film, The Birds, from 1963. This would have been The Bats.
0: I fucking love that some studio executive saw Alfred Hitchcock's fucking legendary movie the birds and goes you know that scene with the rubber bats (laughs) that's comparable (laughs) people might think it's the same movie like what the fuck
1: not not quite the same movie wheelhouse at all really (laughs) this was released on a double bill originally with the movie paranoiac in 1963 uh, this one rarely has been rebroadcast in the UK. A little <laughs> spooky foreshadowing as Professor Zimmer's hotel room is 13, but he and the hotel owners are not bothered by usual superstitions. And then finally, we mentioned the double bill with Paranoiac, Act, but actually in Seattle, that did not happen. It shared a double billing with Universal's Sword of Lancelot. So a little knight in shining armor and vampire action not the same wheelhouse but i guess close enough
0: <laughs> so i will have seen those ships back to back both period pieces i guess
1: yeah absolutely i mean I, I i can dig on either so that's that's okay let's find out how this did we're coming back with a non-dracula vampire movie again no christopher lee like what's what's the story Let's find out. Let's look at the numbers.
3: Numbers of the Beast.
0: All right. Numbers of the Beast. Uh, Kiss of the Vampire costs um, around 40,000 pounds, which would be like 480,000 today. And it profited around, or grossed around 187,000 pounds, which is roughly 2.2 million today. So, yeah, man, made five times its budget back. It was a nice little success for Oldhammer. Hammer.
1: Yes, indeedy. They actually came in and kind of swept up nicely with this one. Proved to be a profitable venture, solidifying its position as the leading producer of genre cinema.
0: I guess it makes sense, because since we went back in time for this one, because we've seen a lot of movies that use like a lot of the same tropes and stuff that this one does that they put out later but i mean yeah if this you know was one of like you know their first vampire movies after the original dracula it totally makes sense that some of the stuff would have still been kind of new
1: and yeah actually it says right here the success of this movie encouraged hammer to continue to make further sequels and spin-offs set in their world of vampires So we get all these great movies that we're about to cover. I really feel like after this, I was telling Eddie this earlier, that after this episode, the season really hits its stride with, like, home run after home run movie. Um, But, like, we don't get any of those if this movie doesn't come out.
2: Yeah, this is, like, the first time that vampires are, like, more than, like, one note. Like, that there's more to the vampires than literally just staring really hard at you and then tricking you into becoming a vampire. Um like these are like they're there's they're like even though they are still like pretty like stoic characters, they start like exploring different ways to seduce their victims, like through music. Um and, you know, being, like, they have a family. It's not just like, oh, I have a brood. It's, it's you know, they're a little more present. They're not hidden characters. Like, you know, like how Dracula is always like, the sec- he's secretly the recluse billionaire in town that nobody ever sees. Like, yeah, they live alone, but they clearly, you know, know people.
0: Yeah, for sure. And this one does make it, you know, quite a bit different than a lot of the movies that we've covered, even a lot of the ones that come after. Because, yeah, it's not just Dracula's in his castle with his one, like, caretaker slash assistant. You know, he's got the whole the whole coven. Like, he's trying to add to their, like, you know, giant family of vampires. So it definitely made it different than a lot of movies we've covered already. And
1: the critics uh, pretty favorable. 78 percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, based on 33 critical reviews, it indicates the majority of critics enjoyed the film. Uh, a couple of critical synopses: Philip French from The Observer said it was a splendidly atmospheric hammer chiller with a deliciously ambivalent ending. Uh, Dennis Schwartz from O Zeus's World said Kiss of the Vampire is a stylish and well-acted with a good atmosphere and a decent script. Not a major horror film, but certainly entertaining and Kim Newman of Empire said Kiss of the Vampire is a slow burner, but the atmosphere is terrific and the ending packs a punch. So, there you go. The legacy we already talked about also, right? Like, we get fucking Twins of Evil. We get fucking uh, 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 <laughs> Damn Toronto Blake. Vampire Circus. We get fucking um, Vampire Lovers. Countess Dracula. Like, so many of the great Movies from Hammer of the 60s and 70s are spawned from this, so that's the legacy that it leaves. A pretty profound one. If you would like to own The Kiss of the Vampire, Annie is gonna tell you how to do it.
2: Yep, so uh, this one had quite a few releases. Um, it looks like it was first released for home video on Laserdisc in 1989 from Image Entertainment in North America. Um, as far as VHS goes in 97, Universal Studios released it in North America and in 1998 CIC in the UK. And then again in 2002, Universal Studios re-issued it Um, On VHS Uh, for DVDs, they started first. The first release was 2005, again, Universal Studios, and that was included in the Hammer Horror Series box set. Um, And then in 2009, the MTI Home Video Company did a budget release of this on DVD. In 2016, Universal Studios reissued it again as part of the Hammer Horror Icons Dracula and Frankenstein box set a little interesting that they included it in the dracula and frankenstein set since it's not technically a dracula film and then in 2020 shout factory released a collector's edition that includes both uh the 1.85 and the 1.66 aspect ratios uh the and also the tv version kiss of evil and some other bonus features and then also in 2016 They released a Blu-ray and in 2020, Blu-rays of those same releases from 2016 to 2020 on DVD, um, the Universal and Shout Factory ones. And um, as far as digital right now, it's available for purchase or rental. um, And I believe you can. Yes, you can also watch it for free. On Plex and Tubi with a few commercials.
1: All right, there you go. If you wanna own it, that's how you can. We've got nothing left to give to you, our lovely listeners, but our final motherfucking thoughts on 1963's the kiss of the kiss of the vampire. Uh I I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. I I really like the oddball hammer vampire movies. Movies as I've kind of lamented here, and and you're gonna see a lot of them as we move forward in the season. Um, this one is uh, it, it just it, it is creative in all the ways y'all just mentioned earlier about how they were able to explore other avenues of the vampire character how it wasn't a one-note joke i won't like rehash all of that but uh, i i agree wholeheartedly it's one of the main reasons i like the movie it kind of had some levity to it it had some kind of humorous moments um it had some cutesy moments the actors had great interplay um like very smooth breezy hour and 20 something minutes uh, I hi- Highly recommend if you like Hammer vampire movies in particular.
2: Yeah, I uh, I thought this is a this is a fun little little movie. Um, like I mentioned just a minute ago, I think it was um, interesting to see uh, and a, a further exploration of what a vampire movie could include and contain, and um, how vampires are portrayed. Um, and just, you know, doing it in a different tone, um, while still remaining familiar enough that things don't have to be explained as if it's a new concept. Um, so, you know, not, not, they're, they're not reinventing anything, but putting a little new flavor in, into the pot, which I think is great. Um, I, I'm, I'm not like super, they didn't make a huge impression where I'm like, wow, this is going on my list of favorite movies, but uh, it, it was good, and I, I I would watch it again, you know? I, I wouldn't, like, be opposed to that idea.
0: Yeah, I liked it as well. Um, like you said, it's different enough to where I didn't get bored, um, but but it is, you know, I mean, it does feel familiar. It's not top-tier hammer horror by any means, but it was a pretty fun movie. So the stuff with, you know, the vampire cult instead so just being a vampire, made it you know different enough um you know we got the dude the husband was being told that he didn't bring his wife so we got the man was being gaslit for once so there you go that makes it a little bit different than a lot of these movies and um yeah and I thought you know obviously you know it's hard to replace Christopher Lee but the vampire in this movie was still pretty entertaining. So, you know, like I said, it's not going to be in like the normal rotation of like, I got to watch this movie every year, but it was definitely still a pretty good time. And if you're a hammer horror complete, you definitely going to watch it.
1: All right, well, we'll be back next week with yet another episode. Keep your eye peeled on the social media for big WrestleMania week announcements coming up that first week of April in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Covenant of the Goat will be represented large and in charge. Uh, there may be even a couple of them that have dropped before this episode comes out, but they will be coming fast and furious. Uh, it stands to be a, a very big and eventful year for the Covenant of the Goat. Thank you for all your support. So follow me on social media at RevDanWilson pretty much everywhere. There's a, a tag. That's, that's what my at is. And then uh, at, on Twitter. And Insta- or on Twitter and Facebook at OG Scare. We'll get you to the One Good Scare Productions pages. Um, watch IWTV and uh, Fight TV. You can see many of me and Tank and the rest of the Covenant of the Goat at a wide variety of wrestling promotions all around. We thank you for your support. We will be back next week with one of the most provocative especially for its time, vampire hammer horror movies, we're gonna be watching The Vampire Lovers next week on Seeking Human
0: Victims. This is not a test. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Unburied dead are coming back to
3: life and seeking human victims. Seeking human victims. Seeking...
1: product of One Good Scare Productions. It is written, edited, researched, and directed by Dan Wilson, with assistance by Fuji Grant and Annie Wilson. Original music is provided by Shrediford, as well as K.T. Grant. All other music and audio clips are property of their respective